Investing your wealth is a journey that demands skill, in-depth knowledge, experience and conviction from the investment manager. From you, the investor, it demands time, patience and trust in your investment manager's ability. While investing is certainly rewarding, it can be complex. You will have questions along the way and we're here to help you find the answers. In this series, our Old Mutual Wealth Investment Managers answer some hard questions and demonstrate how they do the hard thinking and work so that you don't have to. Their answers are based on an in-depth understanding of the local and global economy, financial markets and the driving forces that will shape tomorrow. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you listening and uh, welcome from myself, Ian Fraser. We're talking crises today. And very much about how you go about investing in a time of global crises. They're all over the place at the moment, and it's been pretty relentless over the last few years. We're all feeling a little bit uh, sort of weathered, uh, as it were. Uh, And certainly when it comes to investing in uh, all sorts of different things, we'd like to find out more about how crises are going to affect your investments. Let's welcome a strategist from Old Mutual Multi-Managers, Isaac Urdendahl. Uh, First of all, it's great to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Isaac. Thank you. Let's talk crises, something that we certainly I like to bury my head in the sand at times and ignore. Uh, But when it comes to your money, it's exposed to all sorts of crises. Uh, So let's take a high level approach and start right at the beginning about what type of crises we're talking about. And really, are they all the same? Do they have the same impact on our investments? Yeah, so there are actually different types of crises and the distinctions do matter. So obviously at the moment we, we experiencing a geopolitical crisis or a war, you know, in Ukraine. And we've had these kind of situations before. We had 9-11. We had the, uh, the wars in the 1970s that led to the oil embargoes and, and, and a very similar kind of feeling to what we're experiencing right now. So that's kind of one set of crises. Then the other one you could really just call uh, an external shock, something that just comes out of nowhere. And I think the pandemic was obviously an example of that. It's not something Mm. that people could really foresee. You could prepare for it, but you're ultimately preparing for something you know little about and, um, you know, you don't know how it's going to, you don't know how it's going to play out. Sometimes natural disasters can also be a global crisis, uh, rarely, uh, because natural disasters tend to be quite regional. But for instance, the, the tsunami that hit Japan in 2011, I mean, that, that resulted in countries around the world shutting off nuclear capabilities, nuclear power capabilities. And, and the effects of that are now being felt because right now, today, Germany is heavily dependent on Russian gas because it, it shut its, uh, nuclear plants or it started shutting its nuclear plants after the, the Fukushima disaster in, in 2011. Typically, though, natural disasters are, you know, very regional. And then there's a, there's a, what you can call a, an internal crisis and a crisis that gets generated inside the economy. So the first that I spoke about are outside of the economy. They are external, but, but you, you get crises that happen in, inside the economy. These tend to build up and then it suddenly manifests in, in a crisis in the sense that, uh, you know, markets go haywire. So the classic example here would have been the 2008 global financial crisis, which really was the result of a buildup of debt inside the global banking system, households, pretty much everywhere. You know, there was just too much debt. Mm. And, you know, at some point you reach a tipping point where the whole thing just cascades. 
and 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 you resulted in a very uh, a very sharp financial market crash you know the the famous 2008 crash but then also a very slow recovery and i think that's in a sense almost the worst kind of crisis for an investor is when you when there's a financial crisis because it means that the financial system post the crisis is very slow people People basically spend years licking their wounds, rebuilding their finances, rebuilding their balance sheets. And even though interest rates typically fall to very low levels, you know, there's just not much of a recovery. Uh, and that was exactly the experience post the, the global financial crisis. And then a the last one is kind of related to just bad management of an economy. So, for instance, you know, we've seen Zimbabwe up north and also Venezuela, you know, running into hyperinflation. And, and that really is just the result of, of very bad policies, very unstable politics. And clearly, when you have that kind of environment, you know, your, your money just loses value by the minute when, when mm. there's, mm. when there's hyperinflation or some, or some variation on, on, on the hyperinflation theme. So yeah, they're different types of crises and, and they have different implications for short term investment returns, but also longer term how, um, yeah. Yeah, markets uh, respond and how they recover. It's like, I mean, as somebody who's not, who's not educated, but certainly interested in 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 world economies, you know, I keep an eye on it all. But what what is obvious to me is that this is a cyclical thing, whether it be you know an economic crisis or an external shock, as you spoke about, probably the most recent one, the Ukraine, uh, the war that's going on there at the moment. That's a geopolitical crisis, but. But these things are cyclical and they happen as sure as day and night. You know, in the good times, we, we tend to act one way. And in the bad times, as you say, we end up licking our wounds afterwards. But surely there must be a way that we can understand that these crises are coming. Yeah. So, so some, I mean, the economy does work in cycles and, you know, and, and interest rates go up and down, inflation goes up and down. And so you have these cycles and sometimes you have pretty bad cycles. And that's pretty normal. I, th- I think a, a crisis event is something different from a normal cycle. A crisis event is when there is, um, there's a major shock. There's a major shock that, that actually changes the way that people behave, right. the, the way that people think. Right. Um, right. You know, to, just to use one example that we probably all know of, um, you know, my grandparents' generation grew up in the Great Depression years and mm. were very, very uh, thrifty as a result, almost painfully so. You know, so that is an, that is a, that is the, the crisis leading to a change in behavior that lasts a lifetime. And I, and I think yes. the pandemic might have similar long-term behavioral changes mm. as a, as a result. So, so the question is, how can we prepare ourselves for these crises? Now, now, yeah. sometimes you can, you can spot them. But specifically, economic crises tend to build up. They don't just appear out of nowhere. As I said, there's a buildup of debt. There's a buildup of some sort of other imbalance in the economy. And often it's, it's when times are good that, that the seeds are sown for, for future instability. You know, quite contrary to, I think, how many people think. Many people probably think that the riskiest time is when the headlines are bad, like today. Um, but often the riskiest time is when things are going great. Because that's when we take on too much risk. We are reckless with our money. Uh, we mm. take on too much debt. We invest in mm. things that, that don't have a reasonable, um, expectation of delivering a, a return. So, yeah. So the, the economic crises typically can, you know, you can spot them 
but you have no control over the timing. As I said, the, the global financial crisis, there was a long lead up to it, but no one could have said that, you know, Lehman Brothers would go bankrupt on the 15th of September in 2008. That was not, you know, that, that precise moment where the whole thing just implodes is not predictable. And similarly, you could say the, the Russian war in Ukraine, you know, you could, you could point now with hindsight that, you know, Putin was leading up to this for a long time and, and so on and so on. But I don't think anybody could really predict that he would invade Ukraine on the 23rd of uh, February. So from that point of view, the, the, the preparation for, for crises and, and these kind of shocks to the system is, is not trying to predict them as much as, as making sure that you have a portfolio that can withstand some of these shocks. Uh, um, okay. And, and also potentially respond to some of the opportunities. Because clearly when, when things go haywire, there are a lot of people who are forced sellers. There are a lot of people who are liquidating their, their assets at any price. And, and that creates great opportunities to invest. I mean, the best time to invest in my generation would have been the bottom of 2008. You could buy, mm. you know, mm. equities. You could buy, you know, a whole bunch of assets very, very cheaply. So if you had some mm. cash on hand, you know, you could go haywire and you could have set yourself up for, for fantastic returns. The problem, of course, is that at the bottom of the, of the market, at the, at the height of the crisis, no one wants to invest. That's, people are too scared. You know, the headlines are too scary. And so psychologically, it's very difficult to say at that point, you know, when that uh, flight or fight instinct is at its, yes. at its strongest that that's the yes. point where you must actually invest i mean that's i mean that's i mean just talking i'm listening part. to you talk and hindsight is is beautiful thing isn't it oh, it's <laughs> only, <wonderful>. if, if <laughs> only <laughs> so let's talk then about the, these risks and creating opportunities from these risks hindsight of course out the picture we're looking forward and not backwards uh, so so how would someone like you as a strategist try to find these opportunities yeah, so typically, as I said, you want, you want to kind of distinguish between once, let's, let's assume that the crisis is underway and you couldn't, you couldn't predict it. You know, then yep. you want to ask yourself what changes are underway that are temporary or that are permanent. Um, and I think that's maybe the first way to look at it because okay. if you take the pandemic as an example, I think some of the behaviors will be permanent. The, the work from home situation looks like it's going to be more or less permanent, which, which has implications for how we use property, you know, so more residential, less office property. So that, that is a, that is an opportunity that you can exploit. Whereas, whereas other parts of the pandemic behavior are probably temporary. The fact that people didn't go on holiday, they are probably most likely to go on holiday once they can get the opportunity you can only spend so much time in your living room um or you know shuttling between your living room and your tv room you know so so people want to travel again so 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 when 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 the shares of companies in the travel business really collapsed in 2020 i mean that was potentially a very good time to buy them um but you would have to be patient because you know the recovery didn't come in 2021 and in 2022 you, you know it's it's only now slowly starting to get underway so, so, so I think that's one way to look at it is to, to say what is the distinction between sort of short term implications and long term implications. Mm. Um, and the other important thing is, is typically when there's a crisis, you know, asset values fall very sharply. And without trying to get too technical here, you can try and gauge where a specific, whether it's a share or a property or a bond is trading relative to its long term history and trading relative to some estimate of its intrinsic value. If you think a share is worth a hundred bucks, but it's mm. fallen to fifty bucks, um, mm. th you know, then that's probably a, a good opportunity to to sort of 
to buy, you know, to close your eyes and, and just uh, buy. But again, as I said, that psychologically, it's very difficult to, to make that distinction. So when we, when we're investing, it helps a lot that, that, that we are a team of professionals sitting together and we can kind of. Yes talk through the, the psychological worries of doing it and and, and of kind of look at the numbers as rationally and as logically as we as we can mm. and try and put the emotions to, to one side. Yeah, that's a difficult one, the emotions that you talk about. But I suppose when there are people like yourself who are sitting in a position where you are watching the markets, watching the news, watching everything that's going on day in and day out, uh, you tend to, uh, I hate to say this because it's probably, you know, but maybe, maybe you get an instinct as to actually where this might go. And, and, uh, sitting with a whole bunch of people in a room who do the same thing, I guess there's, there's power in numbers, right? There is. And I mean, I, just to be very, very clear, I get the same emotional response as you do when things are going haywire, you know, when the war broke yes. out or when the pandemic first hit. I mean, all those emotions of fear and uncertainty and, yes. you know, Seasoned investors also experience those emotions. I think the trick is mm. to have a process that can guide you through those emotions and kind of put those emotions on one side. And it helps a lot to study history and, and to understand how previous crises have, have played out. Of course, no, no crisis is exactly the same as, as, as the, as the last one. You know, so obviously when the pandemic broke out, all of a sudden there's this huge interest in the, in the 20, in the 1918 Spanish flu. Yes. And no one cared about yes. the Spanish flu for many, many years, but suddenly it's mm. a hot topic of study. So mm. it helps to look at previous episodes, how they've played out, because although the economy changes quite a lot over time, mm. human behavior doesn't change. So, so if you look at, you know, now reading some of the reports of the 20, sorry, of the 1918 Spanish flu, you can see that a lot of the issues that have resurfaced with the pandemic were present back then. The, the, the resistance to, to wearing masks, for instance, I mean, I, I I didn't know that, but it, it was a big issue and so on. So, so yeah, I think human behavior doesn't change that much over time. And, and it's, it's the way that humans respond, which ultimately manifests in the way that markets respond, because ultimately markets are just collections of human beings, um, yeah. making buying and selling decisions. Yeah, so it really helps to, to know how some of these past crises have, have played out. And, and, and importantly, also how some of these past crises, in most cases, the worst case scenario does not, does not materialize. And I think, I think that, that also helps quite a lot because clearly we are all still here. And if you, if you take a, a view of how markets have performed over the long term, I mean, even in South African markets, even if you look over the last 50, 60 years, and I mean, we've had major domestic crises in this country. Yes. We, we tend yes. to forget about them, but we had, you know, political issues, um, major political issues, economic crises. And through all that time, you know, you, you, you were still able to earn decent investment returns just by, by doing basics of investments, just being properly diversified, taking a long-term view. Mm. Don't overextend yourself in the good times. Don't panic too much in the bad times. You know, that, those kind of basic things would have served you really mm. well, even though South Africa has a history of being quite volatile. Yeah, that's, uh, that is sage advice. I love all of that. I could talk to you for another hour about this, to be perfectly honest, because, uh, it's an unlimited, uh, interesting subject to chat about. Uh, investing in a time of crises, it's a hot topic, which, uh, sadly, we're all facing at the moment when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, but uh, there are all sorts of other factors as well. Isaac, let's leave it there. Strategist at Old Mutual Multi-Managers, Isaac Gordendal. Uh, thanks for your time on the podcast and thanks for your insights as well. Yeah, thank you. 
Old Mutual Wealth is a world-class investment destination, offering you a wide range of investment strategies and specialist wealth management solutions. Whether your goal is to grow your wealth, generate income, or preserve capital, we select the best and most suitable investments based on your investment strategy and our extensive research and collective insights. It's vital to work with reputable specialists who can effectively structure an investment portfolio that is tailored to your unique needs and objectives. Email us at hardquestions at omwealth.co.za so that we can help you take your wealth further.